Welcome to another episode of Complete Developer Podcast, the podcast by coders for coders about all aspects of creating your best life as a developer. I'm Will, the accomplished developer, author, and software architect. And I'm Beach, the journeyman developer sharing my journey in development. Complete Developer Podcast is supported by listeners like you. We are now on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Complete Developer Podcast. With the rapid evolution of tools and frameworks, anything you learned in school or even in a coding boot camp has a very short lifespan. If you want a long-term development career, you have to learn how to learn from the resources available to you. In this episode, we'll discuss some things that will help you get the most out of online courses and tutorials designed to teach you a new programming language, framework, or tool set. We'll discuss some of the things people get wrong and how you can more quickly learn online. But before we get started, Will, what have you been learning lately? Uh, well, uh, so, you know, I went through all the React and Redux stuff. And so now I'm doing uh, Nest.js with Prisma as the ORM. And on this one, instead of doing a Pluralsight course, I'm doing a YouTube tutorial from Free Code Camp, which I like. You know, it's been very good, you know, solid material. But YouTube is not a great way to learn a lot of this stuff, at least like the really long form videos are not. No, no, they're not. Because you can't move the slider. Like, because if you're if you're working along with it, you know you have to pause a lot as you're going. And if you miss something and you try to scroll back, you went back a minute and a half versus you know five or ten seconds, like you would in a shorter video. And so that's kind of been the the bane of my existence. But it's going well. I'm learning a bunch of stuff, so that's that's good. It's stuff I need for work, which is also very helpful. So yeah, that's uh, that's what I've been doing. That's actually kind of what prompted this outline. Okay, cool. How about you? Well, I am uh, getting ready for my trip to Europe. I'm calling it Europe because uh, while the primary location is going to be Albania, I will also be in England, Scotland, and France while I'm over there. So I'll be spending a week in Albania with, uh, with the church there, my friends at the church and the pastors. And then on the way back, I'm going to take a few days vacation vacation in Scotland. Going to go uh, visit the old homestead, check out the uh, the Robert Burns Museum. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, he is an ancestor of mine. So yeah, going to go check that out. Be really cool. And then just hang out in Scotland for uh, for a bit. I've never been to Scotland, so looking forward to it. Hoping to get some true haggis while I'm there. That'll be fun. And then... Uh, the day before I come back and the week this episode actually airs, I will be uh, visiting our editor, Julian, so uh, and his team in Paris. I'm going to go uh, from Scotland. I'm going to take a train to London, stay the night in an Airbnb, and then get up that next morning and take the uh, channel to Paris, hang out there for a day, grab lunch with them, and then that evening head back, and then uh, the next day fly back. So, yeah, it'll be a, sort of a whirlwind trip there in Paris, but uh, I've never been to Scotland or France, so I'm kind of excited going to two new places while I'm over there. Kind of a neat neat idea to like tack that on at the end of this trip, uh, getting to go, go to some places I've never been. 
may continue doing that in future trips to Albania. Just tack on another place like for a day or two to get like a little vacation in while I'm there. I don't know. Next time I go, I may spend the full, like the whole time I have off in Albania. We'll see. But right now I'm just, I'm getting ready for the trip, realizing, oh, hey, all the stuff that I had to pack and prepare for my previous trips were because they were mission trips and we we're going to be out like during the day, all day long, like running around doing stuff in the heat and stuff like that. I'm like, this isn't going to be the same. So I don't need to pack as much of that kind of stuff. So I'm sort of figuring out what I need and what I don't need for this trip. So that's, that's kind of interesting. Ooh. Yeah. Cause I'm looking at the, uh, the temperature gauge for there and it's, uh, well, see, it's showing 12 centigrade right now. Yeah, it's it's pretty comparable to to where we are here. So. Yeah, I'm sure it gets nice and warm during the day. Oh, yeah. Let's see. I've got it on my, my app. In Toronto, where I'll be, it's for the Americans. It's in the 50s right now. The high tomorrow is like 70 and then like mid to low 70s throughout the week. So, which, you know, kind of comparable. It's been kind of cooler here uh, the last few weeks, but... Yeah. It's been cold a couple times, just uncomfortably for yeah. this time of year when you're not expecting it. Right. So anyway, that's that's what I've been up to. Saving money is hard, especially when you're touring Europe. Yeah, but it is so worth it, bro. So worth it. Lucas Casadas is a fee-only certified financial planner. He owns and runs Level Up Financial Planning virtually out of Fort Collins, Colorado. And just like Complete Developer Podcast, he focuses on helping you to not only establish a real plan, but also to take action on that plan so that you can live your best life. Guys, investing in financial planning services really comes down to whether or not you can improve your finances. With the help of Level Up, the compounding impact of making those better financial decisions will easily pay for itself. Level Up also has a unique pricing model that will help you no matter where you are in your financial journey. Best of all, Lucas is a fiduciary for his clients. And what that means is he's not here to sell you a product, but he guides you to a better financial situation. And if you want more of that guidance, you can catch his podcast, Techie Personal Finance Bootcamp, where he covers financial topics that you probably face, and he interviews other IT professionals who share how they navigated their own careers. And you can learn even more at levelupfinancialplanning.com. If you haven't noticed, technology moves fast. There are constant improvements and reworking of every programming language out there. Sometimes the changes are small and easily dealt with, while sometimes the changes are huge. Complicating things even more, a lot of developers need to learn a wide variety of tools and frameworks just to be effective in their jobs now. At minimum, most of us need to know some kind of front-end framework, a database and its associated libraries, an IDE, source control system, and some sort of DevOps. Now, a lot of times early in your career, you can get away with not knowing some of the more background stuff, but you get to that senior, mid to senior level, you need to be learning this stuff. For most of us, it's a lot worse than that. And it gets even more fun as your team tries out new technologies or when you switch jobs, as that often means learning two or three new tools in a short period of time. 
yeah. So when I switched to this job, um, you know, I went from you know, ASP.NET, SQL Server, and Angular to uh, React, Nest, and MySQL. So, and, you know, obviously going from, you know, TypeScript to raw JavaScript. And then, you know, that, that was in the mix and yeah, changing IDEs. Yeah. It's, it's, it's been an interesting journey. I'll put it that way. And I've, I've had to cram a bunch of material as I've been going and, you know, lots of developers ourselves included at some point attempt to learn on the fly by having a training video playing in the background while they're working on something else. I know I've tried that plenty of times. You have too. And it can work if it's stuff that you're already familiar with and you're just trying to get changes, right? So like if you were comfortable with C Sharp up till seven and you're, you know, I forget what even version number it's on now and you're learning the latest, you're probably going to be okay, right? You can have that playing in the background and just pay attention when something comes up. And that's, that's reasonable. But when you're trying to learn something new, this will not work. Or at least it doesn't work very well. Lots of developers will also buy courses from Pluralsight, Udemy, or other vendors, or even find courses free online from sources like Free Code Camp. Shout out to those guys. They do great work. But people still spend an inordinate amount of time trying to learn, and sometimes it's not very effective. Pretty much every developer has tons of courses available to them that they either completed while learning little or didn't complete at all. Even more of us have stories of online tutorials that were out of date, covered the wrong things. Uh, you know, .NET Core, when it came out, all the tutorials were like that. Then the Angular JS to Angular switch, all the tutorials were like that. Yeah. Now, a big thing with the with like .NET Core was they changed stuff from yeah. the, the beta to the release candidate. Yeah. Every time somebody blinked in the beta, it changed. And, you know, we, but we all have stories like that. And... You know, and a lot of tutorials had errors in it that just made people quit. You know, they tried to, it's like, I'm just not going to fiddle with this framework. I can't, I can't waste the time. I I mean, I did that with .NET Core and I've been, you know, I used it since the beta. I used, you know, .NET since the beta. And I couldn't fight through all the .NET Core stuff. And I'm like, I'm just not going to use this till it's stable. I I don't don't have time for that. I remember when you, when you did that, because I was learning it too. And I'm like, because I was learning to develop too. I would like, yeah. And I just didn't want to, I didn't want to ice skate uphill any longer. And I feel like that's what most people do with tutorials a, a large part of the time. You know, and everybody out there also has examples of tutorials that showed the rosy side of a new framework and then abandoned potential learners in a mire of real world troubleshooting that they were unprepared for once they got done with it. The early Ruby on Rails courses we're great for that, right? Like, here's how you do a blog in, you know, 10 minutes, right? Or some, you know, ridiculous thing. It was more like 15, but yeah, that was great. And then it's like, yeah, but how do you deal with Ajax calls? How do you deal with all the security stuff? You know, how do you keep Mongrel from crashing all the time? There is a better way to ensure that you get the most out of online tutorials. Not only is it possible to quickly learn from online tutorials while retaining information, but it's also possible to do so in a way that is fairly time efficient, gives you good experience with the tools you're trying to learn, and teaches you to work through common errors. Also, the process of learning is not isolated to the process of watching a tutorial. It helps you choose more appropriate tools while making sure that you learn 
what you came to learn. And this process also helps you get real-world experience actually applying what you learned afterward and helping you find the next thing to learn. Yeah, because your, your learning journey doesn't end with the first tutorial. So in this episode, we're going to discuss some things that you can do that will make you more successful when learning on the fly from tutorials online, whether you paid for them or not. You want this to be efficient and effective. So let's actually do this in, a, in that manner. We're laying this out in three phases, all of which are necessary. We'll start out with the preparatory work you need to do before you try to learn anything in an online tutorial. Next, we'll discuss what you need to be doing during the tutorial to make sure that you retain as much useful information as possible while making sure that that knowledge is actually real. Finally, we discuss what you need to do after you complete the tutorial to make sure that the things you learn actually stick. And Beach has been through most of this because this is kind of, I think this is sort of the, a lot of this is sort of the way you learn anyway. And it's, it is. it's sort of the way that like when you were, you know, when you were coming up too, I was like, hey, this is kind of what you, what you need to do with it. Yeah. Yeah, it's like there were two factors at play, two major factors. There are more than two, but there are two major factors at play. Well, three, three major factors at play in me coming up so fast in development. One, coming out of med school, I had been used to this absolute onslaught of information and working an eight hour day and then coming home and studying for six hours was actually relaxing compared to what my life had been like before. Right. And the material probably wasn't as hard either. Oh, yeah. The material wasn't as hard. Then you have the material being stuff like the, this is the way that I learn. So it just, it played into, and like my mind kind of works that way. But then the other thing that played into it was I had just gone through a divorce and like had no social life whatsoever. So that really helped. Yeah. And, you know, to be honest, I, I do think you were pretty time efficient, but it probably could have been better. Yeah. But at that point in your life, you didn't need it to be better. No, I, I didn't. And I was, I was very time efficient because I had learned from med school how to do that. I had never had to really study that hard. Like I had to study some, but not at that level before. And then I just took that and applied it. And then again, like you said, this, this structure fit my way of working. So, so, you know, talking about what you do before the tutorial, before you, you know, grab something and actually start working on it. Don't just do, don't just grab something and, and start, like actually plan out what you're going to do. Uh, and the first thing is to know what your objectives are and what's next. If you don't have a defined goal for what you want from training, you really shouldn't start until you do. Uh, this should generally include a written list of questions that you want answered by the material that you're about to consume. Yeah. I mean, if you want to build a uh, calculator app, you need to know Ask how BJ numbers work. for his. <laughs> this is a starting point. Yeah. It does scientific notation. Yeah, right. I, I added that in. Yes, you did. Your goal shouldn't just include the specific technology you're hoping to learn, but also how it's going to integrate with the other things that you know and use. Right. So you're probably, you know, like if you're le learning Ruby on Rails, well, you're... Yes, you're learning Ruby on Rails, but more than likely, you are not learning it without a database. You're not learning it without a web server. You're not learning it without an IDE, right? You need to figure out how those integration points are going to work. And those should be questions in this list. Because if you don't have those, you don't have something you can use. Uh, and the goal here is a process that creates something that is usable. You know, and it's the same thing with React, which is what I've been dealing with. 
React by itself, that's fine, but you have to make it work with TypeScript. You have to, you know, figure out how you're going to get around a VS Code. You got to deal with state management with Redux. You got to deal with testing, which I used Jest for that. So I really should involve texting or testing in my React stuff. I've been doing, uh, I do a lot of uh, Jasmine and Karma and Angular. So, but yeah. Yeah. Well, for me, a lot of it was like, how do I make tests work nicely in TypeScript with that? So it wasn't even the React stuff. It was just, you know, pounding my head against the wall and some of those things. So part of this is to avoid just mindlessly consuming content. I mean, you do that when you watch TV, but it will help to choose which content to consume. Yeah, and I think that brings up another point too, is you don't want to be the best at consuming educational content. Like that is not a life goal. That's a failure. It's a pretty failure, but it is a failure. You've got an objective and that's not it. So... Next, find a vetted recent course that you can stick with and that uses a stack that you want. Like in general, front-end courses over two years old are extremely out of date. Uh, The same is true with back-end courses more than three or four years old. Yeah. Depends on the stack too, right? Like, yeah, because some of them do move kind of slow. Yeah, the main goal here is to avoid learning extremely dated ways to do things. But the other thing that this does for you is it avoids breaking changes while you're learning. So, you know, if if there's been some major version increment and the old way doesn't work, you'll be halfway through the tutorial and you find that out. And the rest of the tutorial is useless because they're doing it the old way. And I've run into that plenty of times. Oh, man. Yeah. Gatsby. Yeah. A lot of that. That is a great example of it. And it's still jumps up and bites me all the time. It's it's a pain doing Gatsby in TypeScript. Yeah, I didn't do it in TypeScript. <laughs> I did. I made that mistake. Well, I started it in TypeScript and I went for like 15 minutes and I was like, you know what? No. Because at that point, I don't think you had done a whole lot of TypeScript and it was for the new podcast website. And I'm like, he knows JavaScript. I know JavaScript. Let's just not use TypeScript. Yeah, yeah. When you first started that, I was just getting back into to doing Angular at work. And like I've done a lot more TypeScript since then with the Angular TypeScript, but it's still very different for between Angular and React with the TypeScript. And I also hadn't learned how to make pretty or shut up at that oh, point yeah. either, That's which an... was... Uh, yeah, let's not even get into that. Right, right. That's a, That's a great way to make me salty. Start bringing up prettier. You also want the tutorial to use a similar setup to what you will be using. And this just straight up helps with muscle memory in just like doing it the same way that you're going to be doing things. Yeah. And you probably know what stack you're going to be using. And, you know, so you're going to need a database server. Depending on the ORM, a lot of times you can kind of, you can fudge that a little bit. You just don't want to be drastically different. Like, you know, you're learning how to do, you know, something in, in, you know, Visual Studio on Windows. And, you know, in your real job, you're going to be doing Vim on Linux. Like, you don't want that. Like, you need to learn it the way you're going to be doing it. Take advantage of that because it's it's just going to make you better. If you do find a tutorial online, look and try to find a comment section and see if people are running into blocking issues so that you don't waste time. You don't want to be, you know, number 47 who notices this thing and it's the first comment. Uh, you just don't, don't waste your time. Next, schedule time to go through the tutorial when you aren't overloaded with other obligations. This is very important. Do not 
passively listen while you're supposed to be doing something else. Your retention of the material will be horrible. And this this goes back to when you're learning something brand new. When you're reviewing stuff, like I know we know a guy who, I don't know if he still does it, but would go through a few Pluralsight courses a month by watching them at the gym while I was working out. And, but those were all on things that he already knew. So it was like, all right, deepening his knowledge in something. So if you're, you're like us, you're a .NET developer. Well, you know, hey, learning the new features in like the next version of C Sharp that's coming out, that could be something because it's, it's not something that you have to like really pay super close attention to. Yeah, it's almost, you know, my thought process on that is I would not do this if it was on any topic that I don't think I could absorb from a podcast while driving. And, and that's kind of where I would draw, draw that line. Um, you also, you know, really do not want your study time to be interrupted because you're going to make mistakes. You should be following along with the tutorial. And if you get interrupted, you're going to screw up and then you're going to waste a bunch of time trying to sort that out. Plus, you're just going to get frustrated. Like you really, you really want this to be a sustainable practice, not something that you have to fight to make happen. The goal here is to stay focused and to stay that way for an extended period of time to maximize your learning. Yeah, and, and to be dedicated to the thing you're actually doing, which brings up the next important point, which is put your cell phone away. You know, because it can be really tempting. Oh, I'm watching a video on X. Well, I'm actually, you know, on, on my phone doing something while I'm pretending to watch a video. That, that's a bigger distraction than almost anything else. Just... You know, put it in another room if you have to. Right. Now, like, I um, I like to listen to, I say listen to, like, their talk. There's, like, people, it's a video, but it's just a guy standing there talking or a woman standing there talking most of the time. Every now and then they'll have a slide or something. But uh, leadership and that kind of stuff videos, I like to do those during lunch. Because I can eat my lunch and listen to it and I can learn a lot. It's And I don't have, you know, I have to pause. I mean, that that's the other thing, too, I always think about. It's like, my thought on it is, is I am okay with something being passive learning. If A, I could learn it on, you know, listening to a podcast, and B, I could watch it while eating chicken wings, knowing I'm not going to have to pause. I know, I want some chicken wings now bad, too. I've got some in the freezer. I've, I've got some in the cooked. fridge I, that I smoked last, this past weekend for the church cookout. Yeah, might be getting close to those going bad. You might need to eat those tonight. Yeah, yeah, I ate, I ate them. I ate some last night, and like I've got a few left. I might, I might eat tonight. I might throw them out. I don't know, but yeah. So anyway, so now we're going to talk about probably the biggest section here, which is what to do during the tutorial. Don't automate things you care about learning. You need to work through the sample code manually. Don't copy and paste it. Type it out, even if the teacher tells you to copy and paste you're not going to remember the stuff you copy and paste. I, I don't even copy and paste when... At work. Yeah, yeah, when I'm at work. Like, if I'm taking some like something that I'm literally just going to copy exactly line for line, I still type it out because it helps me retain it. It may slow it down a little bit. Yeah, but it's not enough. It, it, it slows you down less than trying to find it later and not remembering you wrote it does. I mean, you only need one instant of that. Now, I will say that there are a couple of exceptions. Webpack configs and regexes. Control C, Control V. I don't care. 
I don't want to be the expert at those things. I, I'm, I'm over it. But if it's something that you want to retain, then you have to do the work to make sure that it is retained. This is kind of like using a translation app for your homework in a foreign language class. It's like, yes, you'll have the right answers, but you won't, you won't understand it. It's really tempting to do this, but avoid it. Um, you should also generally avoid using code generation tools, uh, including the ones that are typically used with a particular framework for at least the first couple of small parts of the app you build, not the first couple things, but you know, even if that means downloading their, you know, the, the code from the tutorial and retyping it by hand. Remember, you're not trying to get done, you're trying to learn. Right. Yeah, I had this conversation oh, way, way back when this, uh, some of those code generation tools started coming out in the community editions. This was back when we were doing the, the group and we're mentoring people, like in-person mentoring. And uh, I was telling a guy who was trying to get his first job, I'm like, because he was using that and he was really struggling with coding. And I'm like, you have to stop using these completion tools. It's like, it's not helping you. It is hurting you. Turn them off and then force yourself when you're not under pressure, when you're not in an interview to do this. Because that's the only way you're going to learn. Yeah, it's like you don't want to learn to use a nail gun before you learn to use a hammer, right? That's that's real bad. That's how you get hurt. <laughs> you know, like you learn to use the hammer and then you use the tool that makes it easier because now you understand how the pieces work. Now, the other thing that this does is it also will generate mistakes. Uh, when you find that you've made a mistake, take the time to stop and figure out how to troubleshoot it. This is some of the most useful learning you can do. So look at mistakes as opportunities to learn more about the language or framework that you're learning. Yeah, because I mean, when you're typing, you're, you are going to do that. And, you know, the other thing too is you can actually generate mistakes. And sometimes that's something that is useful to learn how to do too and actually create a problem and go, okay, how would I troubleshoot this? Like, what does this manifest as? You know, further down the pipe, be doing that. Because you're going to be doing it in your real, in your real world environment anyway, so you might as well train it. You should also take notes, especially for things that address the issues you noted earlier. Your written list, you know, as you go through the material, when it answers one of your questions, write down that answer in your own words. This helps with retention, but it also ensures that you learned everything you intended to learn because it, you know, lines those things up. Because you may get to the end and be like, oh, these three things are not in here, but I still need those. I determined I need them before, so I need to go find something. You should also take other notes as you learn new things, especially when you get one of those eureka or aha moments. The goal here is to improve retention. Your goal is learning here, so it's important to take your time with it. It's, you know, it's, again, you got to be goal-oriented on this stuff, and there are two schools of thought on whether you should handwrite notes or type them. And that's a long discussion. And BJ and I will disagree with each other on this and we'll disagree with ourselves alternately because we both really go back and forth on this a lot because like the handwriting makes it stick better, but the typed means you can find it again <laughs> um, and it's backed up. And that's why you handwrite it initially and then you type it out later. Yeah, which is what I tend to do. And then I don't have to have that debate because I won both sides. There I don't you go. Have to argue with my, my stupid self on that, which is Boom. unfortunate, but 
that's um, it's probably a better way to go. So lastly, under during the tutorial, take note of the things you find annoying about the workflow. It's going to happen. When you go through a tutorial and learn something new, you will see something that irritates you in the way that things are done. Take note of that along with whatever other notes you take and make sure and mark the note in a way that you can find it again later. So you can learn how to mitigate it. In particular, you want to pay attention to why those particular things are annoying. Uh, For instance, you may see that something takes a lot more code than you would think or that it's more error prone than you'd like or like it uses any all over the place in TypeScript for some reason. Write these things down so that you can learn to mitigate them later. Um, so uh, a great example of this is in the React and Nest courses, both. You know, they, they, they came with the prettier config, right? And this is why I was talking about, you know, learn how to t- tell the thing to shut up because it's like the entire file is red underlined. And I would I'd hit enter and, oh, you've, you've tabbed too far in. It's like this is the auto tab, you know, format in VS Code. And like I literally create a new line and now both lines have got red squigglies. So I just I learned how to turn that crap off. Because, in, you know, in a real-world environment, I either have to figure out where that config is to make that go away where it either doesn't make noise or make it where it makes less noise and is less annoying. Um, and that, that irritant is actually a place you learn. I mean, I, I get why they would have the prettier there, but that is weird that the way it's, it's set up because that is more of a personal, like some of the prettier stuff is like, it's more of a personal preference. Yeah, and it's not mine. Yeah. Um, which um, is, you know, is a whole other can of worms. And I should have it on the autosave where it just reformats the document because that's actually what I want. I, I, don't, I don't have a problem with, you know, putting a space between the curly brace and some property in a JSON blob, right? But if I don't do it, I don't want you to act like it's an error. So I'm looking at it while I'm trying to, while I was trying to think about something else and I'm interrupted, right? And, and, and so those little irritants like that, th- that's important. Take notes of that. Yeah, one thing that annoys me about um, Gatsby working in that is that it's the it, whole thing. <laughs> well, and I think it's a React thing because, like in Angular TypeScript, if you don't put a specific type, it just assumes any. Oh, you're talking about the GraphQL? No, I, not GraphQL. Uh, okay, I'm talking about the actual TypeScript. Okay. So like if I if I don't say like if I'm just like typing something up if I don't put in like a this is a this specific type this is like a string this is a number or this is any it doesn't just generally assume it's any ah uh, uh, yeah because I've done it uh, you know I've done that in JavaScript with the prop types declarations and stuff um, so there's actually another way to do it that's also annoying uh, of course. There's always another way to do it that's even more annoying. Yeah, man. That's the way it is. Also, it's probably important to to say here that uh, things you like about the workflow, you want to write those down, not necessarily because it's directly useful, but because you will later want to find mitigations for the bad parts of the workflow. And they will probably be idiomatic with respect to the parts that work well. Right. And, you know, and you can ask in forums, go, hey, I, I like how this thing works and I hate how this thing works. How do I fix the thing that I hate so that it's more like the thing I like? 
And that tends to give people a better idea of what you're going for versus, hey, this just sucks. So after the tutorial, you're not done. You know, obviously you need to figure out how to remediate the workflow issues you noted. First thing you want to do is, you know, fix the stuff that you observe that is going to, you know, get under your skin because that that's going to make this not sustainable. Like if you're irritated every time you mess with something, you, you eventually just don't mess with it. And the nice thing is, is if something irritates you, it has already irritated somebody else who's figured out a way around it most of the time, unless you're just using like the, you know, some brand new framework that your buddy cooked up and he's the only other person that's used it. Yeah. If you can't find a way to get around it, ask in a few forums. At a minimum, it will help you find which communities are helpful and which are not. And someone else might have the answer. Or you can do like I do and just straight up ask chat GPT. Assuming it's it's not newer than chat GPTs. So it's not JavaScript. (laughs) JavaScript framework. Right, right. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, the other thing too is like you can ask in forums and and sometimes the fact that, hey, this forum is really, really helpful with this stuff. Even if they don't give you an answer, that's still something useful for this thing, right? Like you're not learning a framework, you're learning a whole bunch of other stuff with it. And you, you kind of want all that baggage to go with you too. You know, worst case, try to figure out a way around it yourself. You'll still learn from the experience, but a lot of times this means that you're simply stuck with a problem or that it isn't really a problem once you get into it. Because there's a lot of stuff that you'd be like, why is it like this? This is ridiculous. And then you start really digging and you go, oh, this enables this whole other thing I didn't even know about because it wasn't in the tutorial because it's some lower level thing that most people don't have to touch. So next, build a small app for yourself using what you learned. Whatever came out of the tutorial, as an example, use that to build a small app in a domain you know well. Uh, This app should test out what you learn in the tutorial, plus maybe add a few things that weren't covered by that tutorial so you can kind of expand your knowledge. Yeah, well, and the other thing it does too is it forces you to figure out how you're going to expand your knowledge. Like, I did a tutorial on how to build a basic calculator app. You did. And then I added scientific notation. You did. <laughs> and I think you were about to work on a graphing calculator, weren't you? <laughs> or something. Yes. I, forget you I, was, gonna... I, I had started a graphing calculator when you made me stop. I was just like, you know, it was it was good that you were doing that, right? And, uh, you know, like, I, you don't want to discourage it, but at the same time, it's like, hey, you got other stuff you got to pick up. Like, I just really like math, man. Yeah. You're, you're a math addict. So, uh, you know, a lot of times this can be you know, it could be really helpful to redo a fairly simple application in whatever new framework you're, you're learning. So in the past, I have done like a, a recipe database. You know, and I've done it in a whole bunch of different systems. I've done C++, uh, Visual Basic for Applications, VB Classic, VB.net, C Sharp, JavaScript, Knockout, uh, jQuery. You know, like I, I've, I've beaten that thing to death. And you kind of want to have one of those uh, that, that you're like, you're not thinking about the business logic so much as you're going, okay, how do I apply what I already know about the business logic to this thing? Be willing to slightly over-engineer and gold-plate this app. The, the main purpose of it is to cement what you learned. Plus, it gives you a real-world example in your own words. It's also good to, to be able to throw up on... Uh, GitHub or something like that, just as, hey, here's an example of 
something I wrote, learning a new thing. So you can show that to potential employers down the line. Yeah. And it's just, it's a more real discussion. It's not like, it's not something where when you have a question, you go, oh, what does the tutorial say? It's like, no, I've got to find the answer because you're going to have to do that uh, in reality. And, you know, finally, you need to figure out what your next course should be and repeat the process. Um, you're not done learning when you learn one thing. Uh, this, this career, that does not work. You, you cannot rest on your laurels at all. The Red Queen from uh, Through the Looking Glass, you know, run as fast as you can to stay exactly where you are. You're in her realm. This is, this is software development. This is the way it is. Um, so you need to be figuring out what the next thing is and heading that way. If the tutorial you're working your way through is like many others, there are probably things that they lightly touched on that merit a deeper dive. And that is one way to find a pointer to your next course. If not, then you should either dive deeper into the current topic with another course or learn more about whatever other tools were in the same stack that was used in that tutorial. Right. And there's probably at least one of those that you're not familiar with. Yeah, there's a lot of rabbit trails you can go down with uh, with these. I remember back when I was working in admissions at the psych hospital, it was one of those jobs where you were there for 12 hours, but you might work a total of four because you were just answering phones and like entering patient data when they showed up. So a lot of times, like I would get my homework done and then I'd just sit and go down Wikipedia rabbit trails. Yeah, and you learn all kinds of things that way. It's, it's a great way to do it. Mm-hmm. But most of the value that developers create requires more than one tool. And there tend to be kind of clusters of tooling that are commonly used. It's, it's better to learn something else in that same cluster so that you can do useful work with it that pays you money than it is to immediately go for something entirely different. So guys, with the wide variety of libraries, platforms, and databases available on the market now and with the continued rapid evolution of tools it's absolutely necessary to learn on the fly as the need arises. However, most people haven't really thought about how they learn. And frankly, we've often internalized some really maladaptive learning strategies, whether from school or from personal life or just, you know, from working. Like, you, you know, you learn, I've got to get stuff done, not I'm trying to learn. And those are two separate things. And it, we, people get confused on that. And this is especially true In software development, if you attended structured formal classes, it can be really difficult to learn in an unstructured manner, especially if you're not used to doing it, especially getting all those resources together for yourself and figuring out what's required. It can also waste a lot of time. However, there are a lot of tricks that can make such learning more effective and efficient in terms of the time you spend. And we hope that the tips in this episode will make your next learning adventure more effective and time efficient. And that's pretty much all we got. If you have a question or comment, please email us at neckbeards at completedeveloperpodcast.com. Our theme music is an excerpt from Standby for Titanfall by Pure Bells, available on SoundCloud and licensed through Creative Commons. For references, show notes, and extra tips and insights, be sure to check out the website at completedeveloperpodcast.com. Help us make the show possible by supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash podcast. You'll get extras, including a weekly aftercast where we discuss the topic of the week and bonus material with some of our patrons. You can also follow us on Twitter at Complete Dev Pod 
like our page on Facebook, and follow us on Instagram to keep up with news about the show. Join the conversation anytime via Slack by signing up at slack.completedevelopernetwork.com. Thanks for listening. See you next time.